A year ago, a year ago, this catastrophe was unfolding in Afghanistan. I remember waking up one morning, turning on the TV. I thought I was dreaming. I've been a pilot for half my life. I've never seen anything like this. A bunch of people running next to the, a jet on a runway. This was crazy. Yeah, we blew it in Afghanistan, thanks to uh, the Biden administration. It did not have to be this way. And a year later, even though this changed the world, nobody seems to care. <laughs> I don't see really much in the way of one year later retrospectives. Why not? This is far bigger than anything, I think, since 9-11, because they can't really tie this one to Trump. <laughs> they love those one-year anniversaries on anything they think they can blame on Trump. Since May 9th, one year ago today, James Comey was fired. Are you kidding me? Changing political history wow. as we know it. Exactly one year ago today. While Comey was on the West Coast, his firing was delivered via a letter in a manila envelope. One year ago today, started out like any other crazy day in Washington, and it ended in President Trump's surprise firing of then-FBI Director James Comey. Wow, some goofball loses his job. James Comey, Democrats for a long time, wanted this guy gone as well. And they're still talking about it every year. It's the James Comey termination anniversary. But something strategic, something global, something we'll live with for potentially the next 50 to 100 years. The fall of Afghanistan into Taliban hands. Hey, they're partying right there. Now, this is this week. The Taliban, uh, they're enjoying themselves. They are in charge. They are harboring terrorists. And we are gone. By the way, the people responsible, Joe Biden and his team, they all still have jobs. Lloyd Austin, still the Secretary of Defense. Mark Milley, still the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. The guy in the middle, that's uh, Jake Sullivan, still the National Security Advisor. Tony Blinken, the Secretary of State. These guys are all there. And at the end, Ron Klain, the invisible Chief of Staff, still has a job. And Afghanistan is in the hands of the enemy. Wow. You know, this is an administration. They stick up for the downtrodden. They stick up for the poor, don't they? They're always telling us how much they care about women. The status of democracy also depends fundamentally on the empowerment of women, not only because the exclusion of women in decision-making is a marker of a flawed democracy, but because the participation of women strengthens democracy. Women are drivers of economic growth, wherever they are. When women live free from the fear of violence, they can participate more fully, and our democracy grows stronger. All right, I buy all that. So why aren't you guys jumping up and down about what's happening in Afghanistan right now, especially to women? Forced 35 million people, number one, are living in poverty, all right? 35 million out of about 42 million. 6.6 .6 million live in famine. And yes, forced marriages. <laughs> Women under the Taliban can't choose who they marry. Also, there are sex slaves under the Taliban. Oh, yes, they are. And if you get out of line, women are tortured. Everything from electrocution to waterboarding. Yeah, they learned that from us uh, over there in Afghanistan. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is riding his bike, huh? He is, uh, oh, this is new, by the way. They figured out that he's been on vacation 35% of his presidency, 35%. Isn't that wild? 
He doesn't have a care in the world. One year ago today, though, the scene on another straightaway. How about that, huh? So Joe Biden, the president of the United States, could he have, if he were really focusing, could he have changed any of this, huh? I mean, think about it. Joe Biden, all that experience, he brought a lot to the table, right? He brought uh, military experience, executive experience, logistical experience. No, not really. All he brought was that big, goofy smile and not very impressive brain. Wow. Talk about being in over your head. <sighs> Reporters don't care, though. The entire political press corps, they're just kind of giving him a free pass on all of this. One of the big reasons, no money to be made telling this depressing story. They like the sexy stuff that they make up. Walking out during the match for 30 minutes to test the directions and distractions of television cameras, which were later withdrawn. On Wall Street, prices took a pounding yesterday. So this is uh, all the president's men. And about two-thirds of this movie, at least, are totally made up. Uh, they had to make it more dramatic because just talking to people on the phone, and it's not a good story. So they make things up, and they made the deep throat story up. That's what they do. That's what journalists do these days because they want to sell their stories to Hollywood, and they're doing it. Uh, two reporters recently from the New York Times, uh, Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor, they wrote the um, a lot of the Harvey Weinstein stories. Well, they're in the movie business. First you write the articles, then you write the book. Okay, the book is called She Said. And then you get a movie deal, all right, especially if it's politically correct and woke. Yeah, and uh, Carrie Mulligan and other movie stars, they're being portrayed by real actors. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Let's see, what else? Who else is uh, doing a movie deal right now in New Hollywood? Oh, yeah, uh, the one who wrote about Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail, Amy Chozik. Well, it's not cool to just write these silly articles. You got to write a book, and you got to turn that book into a deal with... HBO Max. Yeah, and somebody is going to be playing her in the movie and lots of money is going to be floating around. Hey, the entire team at the Washington Post just signed a deal with Imagine Entertainment. That's Ron Howard's company, I think. He's really good. Apollo 13, a couple of others. You know who really ruined this? Back to all the president's men. Woodward and Bernstein, two schlubs who, by the way, made all kinds of mistakes and made up all kinds of stuff, really fake news reporters, but they struck gold. They wrote a tale, turned it into a book, Hollywood buys it, and these two ordinary guys are portrayed by Hollywood superstars, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. What a weird country, huh? They have ruined it for so many. Anyway, one year later, what are you thinking about? Don't forget those 13 soldiers and Marines. We'll have more on them throughout the remainder of the month, and we'll always try to remember them in our hearts. In the meantime, we got to go to Atlanta, where they are really brutalizing Rudy Giuliani for sticking up for President Trump. But Rudy, he can take it. He's tough. He's a warrior. We'll be right back. Wow, huh? Liz Cheney found this out last night just as I was signing off. Lost and lost big. How many points? 38 points she lost by? Fantastic. She so deserves it. Anyway, um, going out, totally pompous and taken with herself. 
The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Uh, yeah, we looked it up, though. He didn't lose any of those races by 38 points. He lost the Senate race by eight points. Far more viable for the presidency than you. But our fake news, they're going to play this silly Liz Cheney for president dance. Are you considering running for president yourself? Well, what I'm going to do, Savannah, is spend the next several months uh, completing my work in Congress, obviously completing my work representing the people of Wyoming. Uh, we have a tremendous amount of work left to do on the January 6th. Committee. Oh, blah, blah, uh, blah, also, blah, though, blah. Uh, January 6th committee. That's why you lost. OK, we don't believe you. We don't trust you. Go away. Nobody likes you. Forget about it. Again, she will be propped up by the fake news. Hey, this is a message for her old men as well. Dick Cheney, get lost. By the way, you probably helped her lose by that many points. This campaign ad you put out that gave little kids bad dreams? <laughs> you did her no favors. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. Yeah, that's their tell, by the way, into what's going on right now. You won't let him get near the Oval Office. Suggests to me that they won't let him stand for election. They can't run that risk. He might win. So they have to take him out by any means necessary, even phony searches. This is their theme. I have said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. And I mean it. Yeah, she means it. Well, you know what? <laughs> You're now an ex-member of Congress. You can vote against him. Good luck. Start a pack. Whatever. But when they say that, that they don't want him to even get close to the Oval Office, that's, that explains the raid. That explains the August 8th, 2022, I believe, illegal raid of the president's house, okay? You can't do that unless you're trying to take him out before the election. And this January 6th committee, Liz is always talking about how she uh, believes in democracy and Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. This very committee was not democratic, everybody. No way. No opposition, no cross-examination. This Half the country believes Trump is innocent. Where were their representatives? This was right out of, you know it, the Soviet Union, Joe Stalin would be proud. What else about that? You know, all the silly things they did. That dopey Cassidy, the young girl they brought in who looked pretty. So everybody listened to her. That deranged judge who was so full of hate that it just, oh, my goodness gracious, he, could, he couldn't pull himself together. And then whoever the hell this guy was. I mean, just a crazy cast of characters, totally scripted. The American people did not take this seriously. All right. So such a bad committee, undemocratic, right? Who seems to be interested in testifying? This guy. If there was an invitation to participate, I would consider it. But you've heard me mention the Constitution a few times this morning. On the Constitution, we have three co-equal branches of government. And... Um, any invitation to be directed to me, I would have to reflect on that. 
You'd have to check the Constitution and reflect on it. A. Mike Pence, this guy, forgive me, is wooden and weird and not ready, just not ready. And how dare he entertain going to this crazy, undemocratic January 6th committee, which didn't even ask, raise her name, Ashley Babbitt. Not a word about Ashley Babbitt, a young woman who was killed right on television. And uh, I guess, you know why he wants to go to this committee? All right. Because once again, they'll talk about what a hero he was in the basement, on the phone. Did you see? I, I, I don't know what the big deal is about that picture. Do you? But anyway, they love it. They love it. Uh, I am still disappointed in Mike Pence. You can be a patriot. You can be a good American. You can just believe that under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, he had more options on January 6th than to just stand there. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Sport. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. Uh. He really didn't know what to do. Looked at the Electoral Count Act of 1887. There were options. Look, it's perhaps debatable, but it's not un-American to say that, yeah, these votes, certain concerns in places like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, making sure the electors were sound, sending them back to the state capitals. That's not necessarily overturning an election. That's making sure the election was actually free and fair and valid. All right. So... It didn't happen, and I'm disappointed. But having waged that fight for Rudy Giuliani and others, they're holding it against them. They want to throw him in jail. You know, it's still America, and Rudy Giuliani is a great American, all right? The only thing, you know, they're trying to cancel him, right? Cancel him because he stood with Trump. They're dragging him to Atlanta now to, uh, they say he's the target of an investigation about what happened in Georgia a year and a half ago. Now, less than three months before the midterms, they get around to questioning Rudy Giuliani. Quick review of what Rudy Giuliani did. He just made his case to state lawmakers. He did it in Atlanta. He had a view of that Electoral Count Act of 1887. He made his case. Some listened, some didn't. He also went to um, throughout Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, I believe Arizona as well. This is America. You're allowed to do these things. Lawyers often disagree. And I think Rudy was onto something. You may not. Lawyers do crazy things sometimes. It's like file $25 million racial discrimination lawsuits because Hello Kitty didn't wait to hug those two kids. <laughs> Hello Kitty, Elmo. Which character was that? One of those. Uh, yeah, it's a free country. You can do what you want. Rudy, I do believe, did the right thing. If you don't believe he did the right thing... So what? He's allowed to do it. He's allowed to make the case. So we can lose our minds about Rudy Giuliani and what happened a year and a half ago, or we can focus on what's going on right now and basic failures of our government. Our government is not functioning. It's supposed to protect us. We've never seen stuff like this. I mean, crime with impunity, no fear whatsoever of uh, apprehension. Look at this. This happened uh, recently in New York. A guy just gets right. And he is he afraid of the police? No, he just walks away. Take a look at this in Queens. We've had shootings here, but not right in the middle of the day, not in the open, not when everybody knows they're on camera. He shoots everybody up there. And one young man, 24 years old, under the park bench, shot in the head and died. 
and nobody seems to care. I heard black lives matter. They only matter when a black life is taken by a white cop. Otherwise, no money to be made, no power to be gained. How about this? You call this a orderly civil society? A liquor store in the afternoon in Los Angeles? This would not have happened with black, without Black Lives Matter summer and all that nonsense and the complete overreaction to George Floyd. The police have essentially been canceled in huge swaths of America. And this this prevails. Don't worry, though, we got a president. He's <laughs> not on the case. Joe has been on vacation 35%, they determined. 35% of the days he's had as president, he's been in Delaware on vacation. How about that? Especially a guy who said he was going to work hard. I will not rest. And I mean this from the bottom. I will not rest. I promise I will do everything in my power. I will not relent. I will not take no for an answer. I will do everything in my power. The moment we rest is the moment that our influence diminishes. We're not going to rest. (laughs) Except for 35% of the time, I'm going to rest. Stay with us. The fakest of the fake news. There's David Muir. And there's this guy in a crazy suit on MSNBC. This guy's an actual commentator. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. All I can can say is that that the the fake fake news just doesn't doesn't get it, do they? So the fake news, they seem to think that only Democrats are threatened by crazy people. Happens to Republicans as well. Death threats are awful. They're illegal. I wish they never happened, but they do. But not just to Democrats, although the news never tells you that. A Michigan man is charged with terrorism after allegedly making death threats against prominent Democrats. The Villa Park Democrat was forced to close her office after receiving multiple death threats. Nevada Democratic Chair Roberta Lang has reportedly received death threats. Troubling GOP fantasies of killing Democrats, including President Biden. Okay, I've heard Democrats say out loud, famous Democrats, that they want to see President Trump dead. All right. Horrible stuff. Now, the good news about death threats, generally speaking, if you're serious about killing somebody, you don't write it down on the Internet first. They're wrong. They're illegal. But they happen to Republicans as well. Just talk to the people who work security around Donald Trump. It's true. Meanwhile, David Muir, he is uh, anchoring, they say, the most popular show in all of the news. I don't quite get it. Number one, I find him very fake. I find him very stilted. And I find him very one-sided, very pro-anything Biden. First President Biden signing the nearly $740 billion bill into law today, lowering the cost of health care and of prescription drugs and insulin, the largest ever investment in the U.S. to fight climate change, incentives for American families on electric vehicles and solar, taxing corporations and bringing down the deficit. Incentives for American families. Is this a line out of the Democrat National Convention or is this supposed to be the news? They say they're neutral. 
I don't think so. And then they run this report detailing all the all the good things they think that are in this bill. Uh, President Biden did this. It's going to do that. It's terrific. It's great. They can't wait to sell it to the American people. But every story needs a villain, right? You got to have a little bit of tension. Who do you think the bad guys are in this one? Republicans calling it a grab bag of special projects. Not a single one voted for it. Democrats sided with the American people and every single Republican in the Congress sided with the special interest in this vote. Wow. What does that say about Joe Biden's uh, legislative you know, ability to reach across the aisle, all that stuff he told us he was good at? Now he's demonizing Republicans. And by the way, why didn't we hear from any Republicans, right? They just said that they're, you know, against it and that's it. And Joe Biden writes them off. Not very fair. And when they're not being fair, they're being dramatic and over the top. When it comes to Donald Trump, listen to the tone of voice of this guy. And tonight, who the FBI has already interviewed from inside the Trump White House. Here's our senior national correspondent, Terry Moran, tonight. Tonight, ABC News has learned that the FBI has interviewed former Trump White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his former deputy about those documents stored at Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Documents, documents. Pat Cipollone again with this guy. They're always telling us he's a big deal and he's got some bombshell. He never does. Next. They're the most senior former administration officials known to have been interviewed in this fast-moving investigation. This morning, Trump himself took to social media and called for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit behind that search at Mar-a-Lago. That affidavit, a sworn document that spells out the evidence and justification for a search warrant. The Justice Department opposes its release. Doesn't this guy sound like an announcer at the Kentucky Derby or something like that? The intensity and the affidavit is coming. Anyway. One more. But the Justice Department, in a court filing, warned that releasing the affidavit could disclose highly classified materials. Oh, gosh, you see, they just want to get us anxious and make us worried. And what is up with the tone of this guy's voice? Does he really sound like this normally? No. No, he doesn't. Right after the report, they ask the reporter, you know, one of those fake questions. And so, Terry, we've now learned that a Florida judge will hear arguments on whether to release that affidavit that, of course, led to this search. The judge will hear those arguments on Thursday. That's right, David. And the Justice Department should be in a strong position. <laughs> Affidavits for search warrants. Often this, is this the same guy who was just screaming about documents? Yeah, I don't know. It's all a show. It's all a show. And uh, ooh, speaking of shows, weird, woke shows on MSNBC. Uh, it's always bad, but the weekends especially. I just found another little gem. They have this guy, Roland Martin, who shows up from time to time. He's crazy. What the hell did these people plan to unleash on, on America? You have no idea, and we had better understand. And you ask who they're targeting? Black folks are the primary target, and it's because white fear is driving this because it's about maintaining yeah. power and control. This is a party that appeals directly to white nationalism, white supremacy. That is a fundamental organizing yeah. element of the Republican Party, and Democrats had, cannot play footsie with what is going on. <laughs> wow, he really believes this stuff, by the way. Uh, more um, black people voted for Donald Trump than any other Republican in history. All right. And what's up with his outfit, by the way, huh? It looks familiar, doesn't it? Who knows a guy from Captain Crunch, right? Take a look at this. Am I wrong? 
I think there's a resemblance. Just a little bit. That's Roland Martin and Captain Crunch. What do you say? Hey, stay with us. Uh, so when we were getting beat in Afghanistan and everybody was letting senior leadership off the hook, there's one guy who wasn't. A Marine, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, who stood up and boldly said what needed to be said. He joins us next. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, I still call him that, an amazing man. And here he is, mobbed, as he shows up to talk to the authorities in Georgia. They say he's the target of an investigation into the, uh, his activities regarding the 2020 election. They're trying to get the guy in trouble. I think they're harassing him and a lot of other people. You know, he wasn't the only one. There are other good lawyers uh, wanting to make sure the election was uh, on the up and up. Joe DeGeneva was there with Rudy Giuliani at times. Joe DeGeneva, the former U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C., Newsmax contributor. And, uh, sir, welcome. I know they've given you a hard time. More on that in a moment. But what do you make of what's happening to Rudy Giuliani right now? Well, what's going on in Georgia is absolutely a disgrace. Uh, again, it's a continuation of the show trials being conducted by the Democrats in Congress here in Washington. Uh, it's disgraceful. It's unconstitutional. This isn't even uh, a criminal grand jury. This is a grand jury to gather facts for a report. Uh, yet he's being told he's a target of an investigation that's going to be conducted by another grand jury. This is clearly unconstitutional harassment. Rudy Giuliani was representing a client, Donald Trump. He was performing legal duties. He was appearing before the Georgia legislature. Uh, everything he said was on the record. Nothing was hidden. Uh, I am absolutely confused by why and how a local prosecutor from Fulton County, Georgia, can haul before an, a grand jury which has no legal authority to indict United States senators, congressmen, political people, lawyers from all over the United States. This is a disgrace to the state of Georgia uh, and the county of Fulton. In addition to the disgrace that's happening in Washington, D.C. and Mar-a-Lago and the harassment of President Trump, you, sir, had one of the top jobs in law enforcement, U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. You know these people, these prosecutors, present, former. What's wrong with them? Is this Trump derangement syndrome? I mean, to me and I think to you as well, some of what they're doing is clearly, well, if not illegal, it's corrupt. I mean, do they know that or do they think they're serving the greater good? Well, obviously, I, you're talking about the federal prosecutors under the leadership of Merrick Garland. Uh, let's put aside the Fulton County prosecutor, Fannie Willis. The United States attorneys involved in the investigation of former President Trump and Merrick Garland's troops at the U.S. Justice Department are engaged in nothing more than a political abuse of power. This is what we call in terrorum investigations and abuse of the grand jury process. This is an embarrassment to the United States. What we have is what we had in 1919 and 1920, when under Woodrow Wilson, the Attorney General of the United States, A. Mitchell Palmer, let's not forget that name, 
A. Mitchell Palmer conducted something called the Palmer Raids all over the United States to arrest communists and radicals and anarchists. After a period of time, it was revealed that these people had been beaten, they had been withheld from their lawyers, they had been locked up without food and water, hundreds and hundreds of American citizens from all over the country. Merrick Garland is A. Mitchell Palmer. And what he is doing is conducting the equivalent of Palmer raids all over the United States, the latest of which was the abusive search of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, an abuse of power that will live in infamy, absolutely unjustified. I do not care what the facts are. You do not do that to a former president of the United States. Merrick Garland has lost his senses. He has crossed into an area of constitutional abuse that is the real threat to democracy, not what's happening among conservatives. The real threat to democracy is Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray. Their overreaction, uh, definitely. Their, their Trump derangement syndrome. By the way, what happened to that attorney general, Palmer? How did things play out? He left in disgrace. There were congressional inquiries, and eventually the country turned against him because even though they were dealing with communists and radicals and anarchists who were doing bombings, the American people believed in the rule of law. And Mitchell Palmer abandoned the rule of law, and it was eventually he had to leave office. But the truth is, Merrick Garland is ignoring the rule of law, even though he wrapped himself in that robe of... Uh, fair, due process, presumption of innocence at that silly news conference. Actually, I'm sorry, that speech he gave the other day where he refused to answer questions. He is an embarrassment to the office of attorney general. So um, Rudy, by the way, Rudy Giuliani, uh, again, he's used to it at this point. And I think yeah. one day he will be restored fully. But uh, over there on CNN, um, I mean, basics like Attorney-client privilege in their world seem debatable. Uh, let's go ahead and play that CNN clip, please. Giuliani's suggesting that everything he did, every every comment he made and everything he did was covered by attorney-client privilege. Um, does that argument actually hold water? And, and is there anything prosecutors can do to force him to answer questions? So, no, Jake, that does not hold water. Rudy Giuliani is way off there. Certain communications that Rudy Giuliani had individually with his client, Donald Trump, may be protected by the attorney-client privilege, but not if they relate to an ongoing crime. I don't know who these people are. That guy was not a former U.S. attorney or anything. What do you make of that? Well, obviously, Rudy Giuliani and the president do have an attorney-client <laughs> privilege, and uh, it, it is upholdable under the law. That Whoever that person was talking to Jake Tapper doesn't know what he's talking about. Rudy's public statements and his statements to the Georgia Senate committees and all that, those are clearly issues that he can be asked questions about because they don't involve communications with his client. So obviously he can be asked about that. And no doubt, since he spent six hours before this outrageously abusive grand jury in Fulton County today, he did talk about certain things. I certainly don't know what they were, but if you're there for six hours, you're not taking the fifth. <laughs> How does this end? Where do we go from here? What's going to happen? Well, I just, uh, sad to say, uh, Merrick Garland is now crazy. Uh, he is going to indict Donald Trump. They're going to figure out some charge because they want to harm him, to ruin him, to uh, basically cut him off at the knees so he can't run for president. 
this is one of the most abusive attorney generals in history. This process is arrogant, abusive, uh, an affront to the Constitution. They are going to indict Donald Trump. Merrick Garland has lost his senses. But I think you pointed out last week, if they do indict him, crazily enough, I mean, if they're crazy enough to do it, that doesn't render him ineligible to run or even be president. He can listen. Eugene Debs ran for president from a federal prison. There's no reason that that's going to happen to Donald Trump. He's not going to be in a federal prison. But if he's indicted, he will run for president. Wow. All right. Well, thank you once again, Joe DeGeneva, former U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. We appreciate it, sir, very, very much. And we'll be right back. You know, if this hadn't happened, a lot of people believe that uh, Putin may not have invaded Ukraine. I don't believe that this, the scene you're watching right now, would have unfolded had President Trump remained in office. What a tragedy. One year ago, this was all going down, and nobody seems to be talking about it or particularly concerned with it. Uh, I very much admire, though, our next guest, uh, former Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, United States Marine Corps, uh, spent a long time in active duty, stints uh, overseas, including in Afghanistan and Iraq. Lieutenant Colonel Scheller achieved fame. He resigned in the most spectacular way. More on that in a moment. But uh, welcome back, sir. How are you? Greg, thanks for having me back on. Uh, you have a book coming up. We'll get to that in a moment. But a year later, what are you thinking? And have you noticed what I'm seeing? Very little in the way of retrospectives. This was such a big deal. I think everything changed. And I'm not sensing much concern. Yeah, I actually saw General McKenzie went on uh, Morning Joe. And every he did an HBO show, too, as well. And no one's actually asking him tough questions like, you know, why did you not push back on the president when he asked you to withdraw all troops before American citizens? It's a common sense question. No one seems to ask him that. You know, why did you decide to evacuate evacuate Bagram Air Base at the end of June, three months after you started planning the evacuation? And there's just a ton of questions that's not being asked. And I agree with you, Greg. There's not a lot of emphasis on the accountability that we need of our senior leaders. And it's a little disheartening. General McKenzie, though, I think we have his picture. He was the CENTCOM commander. I will say this. He's the one person uh, that I know of who was in an influential position then who doesn't hold an influential position now. He left the Marine Corps. Do you think he was a casualty? All the other guys, Mark Milley, uh, the Secretary of State, they all have their jobs. Do you think that uh, his time was up anyway, or did it have something to do with... uh, well, the obvious. No, actually, I, I do believe his time was up. He was going to retire anyway. I think the difference is he didn't take a job on one of the government contracting f- firms like Secretary Austin did, like General Mattis did, like General Dunford did. Instead, he was offered a position in a college in Florida that they created their own department for General McKenzie. All these general officers are offered lucrative positions after they leave the Marine Corps or leave the military service. So, no, I do think it was his time to go, but it, it was unfortunate that we let him retire. He retired on April Fool's Day, as a, as a matter of fact. And so there's probably some things that we should have done to hold him accountable before he left. But I think the only cost that he incurred was that he didn't get the lucrative government contracting positions that all the others got. 
Well, uh, you were talking about accountability a lot a year ago. You were frustrated and uh, you sat down at your desk and you made a video. Let's take a look. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying we messed this up. Now, I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? From my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well. So ultimately, as a result of that, maybe some other things, you went to the brig. <laughs> you actually went to military prison for uh, a little while. I think it was, what, a week or so? How, how long were you in there? I was in a solitary cell for nine days. Nine days. Uh, you left the Marine Corps finally. And I think in the end, you thought you got a fair shake, at least as far as your case was handled. The judge was very fair. So that was the one thing. But my discharge... You know, they gave me the lowest that they could, despite 40 congressmen and women pleading on my behalf. Congressmen and women just seem to not really have any influence over the DOD. So, you know, no, I can't go as far as to say that they were fair, but it was what I expected. All right. So your book is uh, coming out soon, uh, right after Labor Day. Uh, here we go. Crisis of Command, How We Lost Trust and Confidence in America's General's and politicians. Uh, wow, what a topic! Uh, very timely. How do you how do you tackle that? That's a big one. Well, you know the the bumper sticker has been accountability, and I do think we need to signal to senior military officers that winning wars is is important, which is what accountability is about. But accountability doesn't fix the systemic problems of why we're failing, and so that's what I try to explore in the book. So. It's, there's really two parts, but it transitions pretty seamlessly. It's how I became disenfranchised with the military over my 17 years. You know, the entire time I was in the military, we were at war. And then I go into the micro, real, raw story of what happened to me after I posted that video, which reinforces the trends and the, and the macro problems that are in the Marine Corps and the military as a whole. And then I end it with a punch list of 13 things that I think the military needs to do now, that the American people need to do now to hold the military accountable so that we can get this train back on the tracks. Most of us are, uh, most people are not in the military. What can the people do? Give us one or two if you don't mind. I think the people need to start talking to their congressional representatives. And I don't think congressional representatives should be authorizing a $750 billion budget, especially when we left $80 billion in Afghanistan. There wasn't a single congressional representative that said, hey, you guys want $750 billion? How about we take $80 billion off the top that you left in Afghanistan unless you can give us five names of people that made mistakes and should be held accountable? But to do that would require courage, and right now none of them have demonstrated that. So I think the American people should start talking to their elected representatives and asking them for courage as well. What's next for you? You got this book. Um, I think you made a lot of friends. You probably made a few enemies as well, uh, given the fashion of your... Um, exit from the Marine Corps. What's next? I'm going to promote the book pretty heavy through the holidays. I'm, I'm booked up. And then, you know, once I get through the holidays and I evaluate it, I'm moving back to Ohio. And I'm not sure, you know, I, I, my goal is to make a better America for my three sons. And I'd love to just work in a think tank. But at the end of the day, those people just write a paper and give them to the politicians. And the politicians, as I just described, are not doing what they're doing. 
So I don't want to be a politician, but there's a lot of reasons that are pulling me into it. And so we'll see what happens when I get through the holidays after promoting this book. All right. Very good. Well, Stu Scheller, we appreciate it. Maureen, thank you so much. To be continued. Thanks, Greg. You bet. You bet. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, where real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watch us, so can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people. So, Ashley Babbitt, 588 days without justice for her. She was killed on January 6th. Not a reason in the world why she should have been shot. Someday, someday, we'll have justice. Oh, her mother, Mickey Whithoff. Uh, there she is in the black T-shirt. She was outside the jail in Washington, D.C. They had a, a bit of a gathering there showing support for some of the January 6th prisoners who were still incarcerated uh, down there. And uh, she is an amazing woman. Uh, Hey, we have this, a poll we'd like you to respond to. Uh, Was the FBI raid an abuse of power? Vote now. Text RAID, R-A-I-D, to 39-747. I think you just put in 39747. And it'll take you through all the steps. Um, Oh, Tell us, this guy on MSNBC, Roland Martin, he's a bit of a lunatic and he dresses. Well, I just realized I think we may have made a mistake. Uh, Someone said that the outfit reminded them of Captain Crunch. And the thing about Captain Crunch's getup is it's more militaristic. I think Roland has got a a whimsical kind of, I don't know, some sort of a wizard thing going on. So. I can't put my finger on it. What character is he like? If you know, maybe you can text that to us as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for your support. We're proud of what we're doing here. To be continued, I'll see you tomorrow night.